I remember you. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the PHLY Sixers podcast. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I remember you. You're, you're, you're killing me. Derek Bonner, <laughs> Kyle Newbeck, Devon Gibbons with you. Bree is here producing. We have a a, a full show Bernie here Mac with you Gibbons today. Bernie Mac Gibbons over here. Hey, man, we were talking about Bernie Mac just in light of all the the comedy stuff that's been talked about over the last few days. And we were just having some fun before we got started with Bernie Mac because Bernie Mac's the best. So we just wanted to have a little fun there. God rest his soul. What yeah. a legend. Had to get Kyle laughing. He didn't expect it there. Neither did you. Even though we were talking about it, he didn't expect me to start I mean, in all way. honesty, it's good that you did because I was worried that Kyle was still going to be laughing. Just going to have the started. giggles the entire <laughs> so at least show. now you have some context behind why. Yes, and that's why. So listen, we have a lot to talk about with uh, Tyrese Maxey. He's been fantastic all season long, garnering a lot of all-star conversation. Kyle and Derek talked about being snubbed in terms of the voting amongst the fans last week in the first round of the results, and that's how good he has been. But as of late, he has been in a bit of a shooting slump, so we wanted to discuss that, what has been the problems, how can they resolve the problem, how can they fix it. Uh, speaking about some injuries around the NBA, we'll get to that a little bit later, and also start off with Joel Embiid, not at practice today. So, Derek, you were at practice today. What did Nick Nurse have to say? Day two of the training camp type practices and uh, getting back after it after winning, losing two in a row on Friday and Saturday. What's the latest on Joel? Well, I mean, the latest on the injury updates is pretty much that the people who practiced yesterday practiced today. <laughs> this which, is almost verbatim what Nurse said. Which is <laughs> yeah. good. That's two days in a row. And people who didn't practice today, namely Joel Embiid uh, and also uh, Robert Covington as a partial participant, did not practice again today. So coming into Wednesday's game in Atlanta, uh, it looks like Joel Embiid will not be available. Uh, it looks like Tobias Harris and DeAnthony Melton will be. That's sort of the update. Yeah, and you know, there's we've already had the whole extended conversation about him finishing out the Knicks game. Don't need to go down that road again. Do you there, think he should have come back in the fourth quarter of that Knicks game? I'm going to say no. <laughs> I think my <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to tee you up again. That's all. My stance on the matter is relatively clear. Relative, really doing some heavy lifting there. Uh, I think the there are multiple concerns there, right? Is that big guy with a knee problem and knee swelling? We still don't know the extent of that at this point. Nick actually said at practice that he was waiting to get an update from their head of medical, Simon, after practice, and that there'd probably be more clarity on that point. But we're in early January, right? Early mid January. And if he's carrying any kind of lingering knee problem the rest of the year it's obviously not as good as not having a knee problem so I they're gonna have working to, knees yes <laughs> they're gonna have to manage this very carefully that's going to impact number one and most importantly their ability to win games as a group they've struggled without him for the most part this season and number two it, we are now quickly approaching he's going to have to play as many games as possible to get like everyone thinks about MVP, it's also, you know, all NBA, all that kind of stuff. And that stuff matters in the course of history. And Joel has said many times in the offseason and during this season, he wants to play in as many games as possible. Thinks it's not just relevant for award stuff, but it's good for building, you know, the team chemistry, team camaraderie, all that. And he understands how important he is. So Maybe it's just hopefully it just, you know, misses this game. But between the ankle and the knee, they're just a couple really concerning things for him at this point. I also yeah. think luckily for them, sorry, Derek, that they only have two games this week. So yeah. it is against the Hawks, which is you would still believe is a winnable game, especially if you get some of the players back that you mentioned being at practice on Monday and Tuesday. And as we get to Tyrese Maxey and discuss him, maybe him shooting a little bit better against a, a team that we feel like defensively he should be able to take a little bit of an advantage of. So only two games this week and a tough one against Sacramento on Friday, a much better opponent back here in Philadelphia. But if he does, in fact, miss these two games, it's only two games. And mm -hmm. it's not as if it's four. And it does hit into what you're talking about when it comes to the All-NBA, the MVP discussion, et cetera, where you, you get into that that place there, as he talked about at the very start of the season, before this stuff went down, he was he was playing, and he was playing every game. And it did help also that they played against those bad opponents in Washington, Detroit, Charlotte, et cetera, where they could sit down in the fourth quarter and he did not have to play five games in a row where he did not have to play in the fourth quarter. So 
it doesn't seem like it's the minutes per se that's, of course, bothering him. It really is the injury that is keeping him off the floor right now. So luckily they only have two games this week, and, and maybe he's able to go on Friday. If not, then start up next week where they have four. It, it, you would like to see him back on the floor. Yeah, and that was pretty much almost exactly what I was going to say. You know, from last Tuesday until this coming Friday, they will have three total games over yeah. like a nine-day stretch. If there was – look, you, you, you always want your franchise player to have working knees. Uh, and you don't want them to bump knees. Controversial statement. Yeah. But if there was ever a point where it was going to be sore, this is probably the point in the season where it's like, all right, there's a real lull in the schedule. Um, you have a chance to be cautious with this, which caution should have included the fourth quarter of a loss to the Knicks. It didn't. You don't say. We don't have to relitigate that. Kyle has done a good job of that by himself. But if there was a time to be cautious and, and give him some time off and have him deal with this and get through it, this probably is a, as good of a time as any. Outside of the All Star break, yeah, yeah, of course, no question. So again, he, and even if he if he does miss against Atlanta, if Tyrese Maxey and these guys can get back to where they were before, where we've seen, albeit what two and five now, two and six without Embiid in the lineup, but we've seen in the past where they have played much better when he was not in the lineup, playing as a team. And Tobias Harris is a big part of it, not messing around, not joking, not kidding, not trying to get the comments stoked up. It's just real simple. No, it'll help to have. It'll help some, to have somebody, presumably yes. Tobias on Wednesday. Yeah, at Atlanta. least in the starting lineup to know that there are 18 points in the starting lineup right there to help out when it comes to making up some scoring and and take some of the pressure off of Tyrese Maxey to help set up some of the others and even DeAnthony Melton with his shooting ability, his two way ability in general, where he can defend Trey Young, try to slow him down a little bit to keep him in the game in that way. So. Uh, all of it, all of it is important. You certainly need two working knees for your franchise player to get back out there. And they're at 23 and 12. They're not really. I mean, they're they're losing a little bit of ground just because they're losing. While Boston might win one, Milwaukee might Milwaukee's win one. Milwaukee's helping them out though. Milwaukee lost four out of five. So that's yeah, I would say that still. adds to the frustration oh, sure. here is because Milwaukee's in a swoon, and right you still now. ain't game back. And you're tied in the loss column. This could and perhaps should be a window where you make a real move to establish yourself as the number two seed and, and try to box Milwaukee out of that possibility. But they haven't really been able to make much headway there just because Joel's been hurt. They struggled over the weekend and other guys have been banged up. So I think that's uh, – and Ash in a super chat actually brings that up because <coughs> it's, it's frustrating – at the two seeds just sitting there, and Joel's hurt again with the Jokic showdown next Tuesday. Thoughts on the goals for the rest of the season? To me, that's the most obvious goal is try to get that two seed so that you have home court against Milwaukee potentially round in a two. round two series. I don't know how realistic that's going to be depending on you know Joel's health and other playing without him, frankly. like To your point, you already brought up Devon. They have not performed well without him this season. So they need to figure out a a workable mix, what those lineups look like. Nick has gone from Marcus Morris, small ball, to Mo Bamba, to obviously Paul Reed's going to play a role. And I don't think any of it has really worked on an extended basis when Joel's off. So uh, probably also dovetails with our Tyrese point, yeah, because that's – Tyrese has been really good when Joel's available and has not quite hit that level without him. And we're going to dive deep, I think, into maybe why that is right yeah, now. I'll jump back to the Embiid piece really quickly, though, because to Ash's point, to what you guys said, also, we still do have a lot of season left. There are mm -hmm. 35 yeah. games in the book. So when you speak about the number two seed, Ash, and you're absolutely right, because <laughs> dropping a, a game against the Utah Jazz, not ideal. The same way getting rocked by the New York Knicks is not something that you want. And even losing that Bulls game a couple of weeks ago, 105-92, these are the games because they've already been there in the mix with both Boston and Milwaukee. And if they were able to take care of business like we thought they would on those given nights, then maybe to your point, they would have a game up, maybe a game and a half up, two games up, whatever, over Milwaukee. But right now we're looking at them dropping these games. But there's still only a game back. And with so much time left in the season where you're looking at, what, 47 games remaining on the campaign, they're right there with them. And Quite honestly, if we got into a whole discussion and a deep dive 
about where they were in the Eastern Conference and talking about it. Kyle, I think you even mentioned it yesterday that you're not really afraid of Milwaukee right now. So, no. yes, you would want it on your home floor. There's still time to correct that problem and try to make sure you do have that on your home floor once we get to late April and early early May once round two starts. So that's the one thing about it. And as Derek talked about earlier, if it had to happen, it happened now where there are only two games and he missed the one on Saturday. So plenty of time, still plenty of time to, to correct the problem of getting him out there, which is most important. Allow the trainers to do what they need to do, allow him to get right, to get back on the floor. And then when he does, you just hope that once they do get back at it, he'll be back for that matchup against Jokic, I'd imagine, on next Saturday. Mm. And Careful. He'll, he'll be ready for that. Once last year, I promised to eat a basketball if he didn't play against the Nuggets, and uh, he did not Still play against on the Nuggets. That I, one, I, I was uh, giving medical advice not here. to follow through on that one. <laughs> we have a little tight spot. <laughs> All I'm could... saying is don't assume anything. <laughs> Fair enough. It got me into trouble in the past. Fair enough. Fair enough. And that's that's a good game, too. Saturday, that Saturday, 530. 530? Yeah, 530 in, uh, in, uh, in Denver for, for that game or 2.35.30, whatever time it is. But, yeah, good matchup. That'd be a good matchup. Uh, listen, I, I want to see Joel play as much as possible, but this is kind of the, the pain of an 82-game regular season. It's why a lot of people check out on the NBA because the priority is the playoffs and delivering Joel to the playoffs. And so got to be judicious with how they use him, and I'm sure there's going to be some tough conversations about Hey man, I don't, it doesn't really matter the individual regular season awards. If if that's at the cost of what really matters at the end of the road, can be some sacrifices made. Derek, Dave says, um, Dave P says, eat the basketball, put some sriracha on it. <laughs> <laughs> I should pick my bets wiser in the future. That is for sure. Well, hopefully we can. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we don't have to see that. Uh, when you pick your bets uh, differently in the future, uh, but as far as as far as the Tyrese Maxi piece goes, and and again, we'll, this this will be a long conversation because there's a lot to dive into when it comes to his struggles. He has struggled a bit, and the All Star conversation is well deserving. We still do believe that he is worthy of his first All Star berth. Probably make it as we sit here right now, averaging close, what 26 points per game. Uh, assisting the ball well, rebounding well. His shooting percentages were really good when we talked about it before. And they're still decent, they're still decent. for the season. Yes. It's, you know, it's just a downturn But for we've sure. acknowledged that over the past week or so that things have gone in the other direction. And what is it? What is it between the regular shooting, catch and shoot, off the dribble shooting, finishing at the rim, Things of that nature, there's a lot that goes into Tyrese Maxey's game, and we've seen him thrive at every aspect, every level, all three levels of the floor on the offensive end. So, Kyle, I start with you. What are you seeing that's different from Tyrese Maxey as of right now? You said it, 82 games in a long season. This is why some people check out in general, but there's also the player, and you recognize certain things as, as, as these are happening. What are you seeing? So I'll start here because – Derek has mentioned these numbers on the show previously. The the stats show a very clear picture here, right? When he gets to take catch and shoot threes, he is about as elite as elite gets as a catch and shoot player. For the season on a little over 3 a game, he's shooting 49% on catch and shoot threes, which you would take that and absolutely run with it. That's incredible if that sustains on even higher volume Probably wouldn't expect that, though. And by the way, I want to just point out, that's been very consistent. That was 46.5% last year and 44.8% the year before. Yeah, like absolutely. A multi-year trend of being one of the best catch-and-shoot players in the league. Yep. No qualifiers necessary. So that's been, honestly, it's been even better. The last 15 games, he's taken still around three catch-and-shoot threes a game. He is shooting 54.5% on catch-and-shoot threes. Now, I say oh, we're talking about a shooting slump, right? So what's going on? Well, the problem is in that same 15-game period, he's shooting 24.4% on pull-up threes. And for the season, he's at 29.9% on pull-ups. And to me, there's there are two things here. Some of this is just pure variance, right? Long season, when you take these kind of threes, 
you're just going to go through lulls and you're going to have to live with look as beautiful as it looks when it goes in the sidestep the step back all those type of threes off the dribble are very difficult shots there's a reason that teams try to get guys a steady diet of catch and shoot movement shooting type shots because it's just simply harder to consistently make pull-up jumpers and some of that comes down to they don't have the personnel to take advantage of Tyrese as a catch and shoot guy like they did before. You didn't you don't have James Harden around anymore to run the offense and you can keep Tyrese on the wing or on the weak side as the release valve for a given possession. And so, you know, we talked about DeJounte Murray yesterday and we talked about a lot of guys that I think profile more as or either closer to lead ball handlers or guys that will split that time with Tyrese. And to me, it's one of the more compelling reasons to maybe trade for, if not a star, like a sub-star guy like DeJounte Murray, because if you give someone who can run pick and rolls and do other things with the ball in their hands, the ball, now Tyrese can focus more on those shots where he is quite literally one of the best shooters on planet earth. And you have, you rely less on, okay, he hits these, insane step back threes to sustain the offense. And so it's, I think it's mostly about finding balance. Like if they can just even out the types of shots that he's taking, I think that goes a long way because the splits are what they are. He's a dynamic catch and shoot guy, but it's hard to see how you do that right now when he is the absolute perimeter hub of this team who has to be basically the entire offense when Joel Embiid sits, so I don't know how you get there without making some form of roster change, even if it's a small one, to bring in, as I've said, as we've all said a hundred times, a backup ball handler of some sort. I want to clarify one thing. You mentioned those being catch-and-shoot threes. Those numbers are no dribble threes, and the reason I want to point that out, that distinction, is because that includes dribble handoffs with Embiid. That includes playing that two-man game, and I think that's been a big factor. You know, you look at, at Tyrese Maxey, and since December 13th, he's shooting 32.1% from three-point range. I think a significant chunk of that reason is because he has, you know, the first, up until that point, up until December 13th, he played 75% of his minutes with Joel Embiid on the floor. Yes. Since then, he has only played 43% of his minutes with Joel Embiid on the floor because Joel Embiid's been out of the lineup. So if you take away that two-man game, then all of a sudden, not only is he not getting the catch-shoot numbers or catch-and-shoot opportunities that he had with Harden, but he's also not getting those dribble handoff opportunities that he had with Embiid on the floor. And I think because of that, he has relied on that step back more and more and more. And like you mentioned, that's going to be a tough shot, especially when a defense can completely load up to take it away from you and contest it, and especially when it's really you're the only focal point of the offense. So I think it's just been really tough. I do think he would, you know, we had a comment in the chat from Dan saying, doesn't that mean he's a shooting guard? No, I don't think that means he's a shooting guard. I think that means he could use more creators on the floor to make his job yes. easier and give him easier opportunities. Um, I do think he should be the one to initiate the offense, to bring the ball up on the floor. I think he's shown that enough. You just have to decrease his reliance on that step back. And the conversation that we have, I think it might, you know, I think our natural inclination was always that they needed another perimeter shot creator. And you might have listened maybe over the last couple of weeks as we sort of shoot down why this player is a bad fit or why that player is a bad fit and maybe think that we've come off that stance. And I don't think that we have. No. I just think we just want someone who is not going to give up both of defense and off. Like if, if you're looking for a fit, you need someone who can either, you know, defend up and down a position or at the very least operate both on ball and off ball. And a lot of the players we talk about can't check one of those two boxes, much less two of those two. So we're picky. But I think in an ideal world... Yeah, you get Tyrese Maxey more corner threes. You get Tyrese Maxey the ability to run off screens a little more. You get Tyrese Maxey just on the floor with Joel Embiid a little more. I think part of the problem is that they have, like, Tyrese Maxey is better when there are other players with gravity on the floor. And so much lately, he has been the only player on the floor with any kind of gravity that the defense is paying any real attention to. And it's not the optimal spot for him. It's really not the optimal spot for, I think, just about anyone. Like, we look at, you bring up his pull-up three numbers. He's shooting sub-30% right now. He's been a good pull-up three-point shooter in the past. 38.7% last year, 40.3% uh, this year, up through December 13th. It was, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was real strong. He was having a good season. He's just overtaxed right now. Yes, I want them to get another creator. I think that's always been the case. 
we're just a little picky on who that creator might be. Yeah. Well, you talk about optimal spots. You know where the optimal spot is to go <laughs> when you want to go see Tyrese Maxey down where at the Wells Fargo Center. That's the Game Time app where buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the events that you might want to go to. And guys, the other important part, Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time's got deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. There are exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time Guarantee means you always get the best price. Find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds with two taps. You're all set and tickets get sent directly to your phone. So you never have to dig through your email. And I know some of you are sitting on holiday cash out there. It's a great holiday gift to yourself. You know, you got a little Christmas money or Hanukkah money from grandma, grandpa, your mom, your sister, your brother. Go to the Game Time app because you can sign the tickets without the stress with Game Time. And thanks to our friends at Game Time, you can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our promo code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Well, Kyle, you mentioned that you had to find some, you had some spare money so you could go to games. You know how else you get some money? Uh, where, Derek? Maybe by saving money on your subscriptions. We all want to make sure that you get the most out of your money and that you're not wasting money on unnecessary subscriptions, which makes endorsing Rocket Money easy to do. There's a very real chance that you will save money by using Rocket Money and maybe have a chance to go to more sporting events. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't want, you can cancel it with a tap, and you never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Our buddy Al joins us today. We didn't see Al yesterday, right? We put out an APB yeah. on our guy Al, the two-minute two minute warning. warning. He's back. He says, what up, guys? And he adds, Maxi will be fine. He's the least of my worries on this team. And Al, you're right. I don't think either one, as they broke down some of the things with the shooting splits and seeing certain things without players on the floor or without a player maybe to be added later, Least of the worries here also. It's just something that has been noticeable over the last couple of games where things have not looked the same for Tyrese Maxey. And it happens. It happens yeah. in a long season. There's a couple things I would say here. I think it is, first of all, it's not to say overreact on Tyrese Maxey's long-term upside. It's not to say he's not a point guard. I don't think Derek overreacts to anything. Not at all. That's one of no. his strongest qualities. I mean, all honesty, that's something I think, uh, you know, he I don't have very many balances me out strengths. on the other side of the desk. Yeah, sure, sure. We, we're similar in very many ways, but maybe not that one. <laughs> uh, doesn't mean overreact to Tyrese Maxey's long-term upside. It doesn't even like, mean put a label on him, point guard, shooting guard, uh, because I don't think that's really a role. Like, shot creation is something I would like out of three or four players on the floor at any one time. I think it's emblematic of a team that really only has one or two. And when you take that one off the floor, then the other one tends to struggle. We've seen that time and time again, where I feel like the Sixers have just enough of various skill sets to get by. And when you lose one piece, all of a sudden things become much more difficult for everyone. Uh, so I think it, it, it does say, yes, they probably like, maybe you had that period when they were playing easy teams to go, ah, do they actually need help? Maybe they should keep the roster or keep things flexible. Yeah, no, they, pro they probably need help if they really want to contend. And I think this is just a symbol of that, uh, whether that means getting a wing who can create on, on occasion. The one thing I would say when we go back to is he a point guard, I don't want a point guard whose only real skill or role on a team is to bring the ball up and sort of like get them into yes. the offense. That is not what I want. I want someone, like I said, who has size to defend up positions, who can play off ball as well, uh, who can maybe slash a little bit, who can be a secondary creator. You just want someone versatile, but that includes shot creation. So at times you can make, make Tyrese Maxey's job a little bit easier and as as different of a player as he might be and maybe the best role for the anthony melton is coming off the bench 
as the guys have talked about the numbers when he's in the starting lineup, they are one of the best starting five lineups in the NBA. So help in even a minimal way is going to go a long way for Tyrese Maxey because we get on Melton for his lack of finishing at the rim, sometimes not handling the ball as well as we would like for him to handle. But what he does do is he knocks down shots. He does drive to the basket. He's not afraid to do it. He'll draw some defenses. He'll draw some attention there where the ball is then going to kick out to someone else, Tyrese Maxey being one of them, the recipient of a pass where he does catch and shoot, knock it down, and that might open up something else for him. Driving and finishing somewhere around the elbow, that mid-range game. Whenever you're a player like that that we talk about with Tyrese Maxey that can play at all three levels and finishing in, in any way out there on the floor, those help too. So I would, I would just hope that he doesn't abandon that part of his game just to finish at the rim to get the layups. If they cut off the pass, I mean, the driving lane, yes, do your step back pull up from 17 and see that go in. And when you do now have an opportunity to drive to the basket, get to the free throw line, because we've even seen him miss free throws. He's a 90% free throw shooter. Yeah. And the one game where he really, really struggled on Christmas Day against Miami, you saw it all on, on the table where it was bad. Since then, he had come back and played a little bit better, but started to go down again. But we've seen slight things like that where if, if he can get those things going, and it's always that very simple part of seeing the ball going through the basket, feeling good about what you're doing, knowing that what you're doing is going to work like it always has been, even with the neck, that next level pressure that you're going to receive from the opposing defense because you are who you are. Those things will help out. So even against Atlanta, where there's going to be some length because he's not going to have Trey Young, he's going to have Murray and Hunter and uh, Sadiq Bay on him. Finish at the rim, get going. I, I think Wednesday is a good place for him to start. He doesn't really ever seem down. In games, you'll see it from time to time when it's really bad, like Miami. But for the most Where part, he was like throwing his yes. hands to the heavens. Yeah. Like, Thank God. He I finally trusts, made one. <laughs> he trusts his ability. He trusts what he does. So if Al, as you talk about, if there's one thing I don't worry is not worried about him. He just has to, again, have a good game. And then he's right back to being Tyrese Max. Is that the game where he thanked the rim? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. He's, okay. uh, yeah. uh, everything short of getting down on his hands and knees <laughs> and, and praying. But so Bernard to this point gave us a super chat, which thank you, Bernard, where he says, I think he's tired and overwhelmed mentally. And this might be the first Rico Hines mention we've had in a while. Mm. I think Rico needs to cut back on the pregame long range shooting, not working right now. Uh, so I would say this. I, I don't think he's overwhelmed mentally. I would lend maybe a little bit of credence to the tired or fatigue factor. I would say just because he's had such a heavy workload sure. this year, not only is he playing a lot of minutes, which we know that's the, the Nick nurse way him and Daryl are in agreement that, you know, one of the cheat codes of have the best players play more, have those yep. guys play a lot of minutes, you know, pretty simple stuff there. But so I, I think there's probably something to that, especially as, a smaller guard, and we see it, we talk about it a lot of nights when he's having tough nights, it's when he's not drawing fouls and gets a little frustrated with trying to play through contact, not succeeding in that way. You're a little guy playing amongst a, a sport where there are more and more six foot seven, six foot eight wings on the floor at any given time, and there are still a ton of bigs you got to get through at the rim. That's a it's taxing on your body, and I'm sure some of that seeps into his mind a little bit, but. To the point about the mental side, I think Tyrese says basically the same thing after every tough stretch, every tough game. He just believes it's all about aggression. He's, I just I got to be more aggressive. And maybe that's shorthand for I don't want to actually tell you guys what I need to do to beat opposing defenses. And, you know, fair point for him. Like, just keep the media Are out of it. you suggesting that players speak in cliches when talking to the media? Maybe just a little bit. But I think that is genuine to a point from him where he doesn't view his obstacles as the other team. Like I brought up talking about golf for this week, obviously it's almost like he approaches it as a golfer where it's him versus his own mind rather than him. He versus, said that after the Knicks game, it's not him versus OG Ananobi. Yep. It's on him versus whoever the other team throws at him. It's him making sure that he is in the proper mind state and, 
approaching the game the right way. So I'm not concerned about the mental part with him at all. I think a lot of it is the tactical side, the personnel stuff that I think things are going to change at least a moderate amount between now and February 8th. I well, just want to point out, Gavin is in agreement with me. Bring back Ben. God damn it, Gavin. <laughs> I thought I thought I liked you, and now you... <laughs> I gave you all your all this credit for checking in from the internship and wanting you to get a job, <laughs> and now you come here and you bring the Ben nonsense and agree with Derek. I, just, I almost feel like I should just not give any context so that people could like that didn't listen to the other pod would just be like Derek wants Ben Simmons back. Uh, no. it's if the question was if Mikhail Bridges would come with him, would you accept Ben back? He traveled I to agree. Paris with bring them. Bring Ben back. He took the team bring photo back, and everything. So I guess his back is cool to travel to Paris, sit on that long flight, as as comfortable as it may be because they get those fancy flights. Still sitting on the plane with the bad back for a few hours to Paris. Okay. Anyway. Um, whatever you say up there, <laughs> Benji, or Ben 10, whatever he's calling yeah, by. Yeah, Ben 10. If you, if you want to replace some old Ben Simmons merchandise and you want to replace it with some Tyrese Maxey things, I have a place for you. How about we send you with all that money you saved from the earlier things that the guys talked about? Go to FOCO, leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment in merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and much, much more. Best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. Although there's no home game in Philadelphia this weekend, I don't know. I'm hoping there would be to get some help from somewhere else. I know I'm wishing upon. Yeah, I, I get it. I know my um, hope for the Eagles has been killed. Well, uh, any, no, anything, there's do, all, nowhere to go but up from but, here. But you do have your personal tailgates. So that is true. You you can still have your personal tailgate with the overalls, the hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, and everything you need for the game at your place. You didn't invite us, so we're a little disappointed. But you still have time to do so. And by going to FOCO. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items. Use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Again, that's PHLY10 for 10% off. That's a busy day. And by the Six way, is that one? Oh. Eagles at it's a long day. Eight, eight thirty or whatever it might be. While we're talking about uh, merch and, and team apparel, I believe that we have some new merch that is now available at PHLY Locker. Yes, those hats that you've seen us wear on the show. We got that some. None new... of us are currently wearing. Yeah, of Good course, job, we didn't, guys. But we Good had them on this bad planning we had, by we us just did today. When, you know. <laughs> bad planning by us, but there's some new hoodies in there. I believe there's the, some the new... old hoodie. Yeah, look at that. We got yeah, our, yeah, our yeah. podcast logo on a blue. hoodie. Hoodie. Maybe we'll even get to wear one of those at some point. Come on, <laughs> folks, go in there and get that. <laughs> so I would say check out phlylocker.com for all the new merch. I'm not that kidding. Has I'll be released. buying a couple more hats. When you have a hairline like mine, you embrace hats. And I want to get the dad hat yeah, that Devon has too. I like the the strap more now than snapbacks and fitteds. Okay. So. Bree, can we see the the, the uh, our team hoodie again? Can we do the show hoodie? Because I, I like the show hoodie. Got the logo on the back, also on the front, on the left part of the left chest right there. So, yeah. folks, look at that. The Royal Blue. Go to the Sixers game wearing your hoodie. Represent part of the team, the part of the community. Go ahead. Make sure you check it out. PHLYlocker.com. We got to get those fast, huh? That's, listen, I, fast? we had no warning on these. So no, I that, was... Yeah, that, that's why none of us have a hat on us, because we found out <laughs> when we were in the studio. <laughs> also, I see Provolone, John, hating on my pronunciation of bagels. Guess what, buddy? You remember the ad because of that, so don't be talking <laughs> shit. I'm sure Bagels & Co. is thrilled with my weird pronunciation of that <laughs> this word. This is correct. This is correct. You remember it. It's in your brain. <laughs> It's all that counts. It anyway. really, uh, so we had another super chat that was kind of going to lead into another part of our conversation that yes. we were going to talk about a little bit where Ryan Fields jumps in and Ryan asks, any interest in Kennard? Speaking of Luke Kennard, what would he cost? And before, and we appreciate the super chat, others jumped in early too um, where they asked about targeting the Memphis Grizzlies as a possible a uh, place to go and have a conversation with the front office. 
because if you did not hear the news, John Morant, after everything with the suspension and all, coming back and lighting the league up, helping win, what, like four or five games in a row with Memphis, and people are like, oh, you got to pay attention to the Grizzlies again. Well, now you have to pay attention Wrong. to them again for another reason because it might be no. open trade season for them because John Moran is now out for the season with the shoulder injury. So, Luke Kennard, as Ryan asks, but most importantly, a few other names that we can talk about, starting with Marcus Smart. Yeah, so first of all, obviously, hope that John rehabs well and like set aside all the off-court nonsense from the last year one of my favorite guys to watch play like most exciting i think the in-game john morant grizzlies experience is one of the best in the entire league or like has been in recent seasons so hope he gets back out there as soon as possible as healthy gets back to his former self i think there are two main guys to your point devon to keep an eye on for the Sixers. Obviously, this all hinges on what does Memphis want to do? Do they say, we're just going to completely pivot, throw away the end of this year, retool, and we'll go get him again next year? The two guys are Luke Kennard. He's on a he's got a team option on his contract for next year, so you could effectively treat him as a rental, right? You bring him here, think he's a... This is a quote-unquote down shooting year for him, and he's shooting over 39% on good volume. From and three. before he was traded last season, when he was with his with L.A. before the deal was made, he was shooting really, really well. As Somebody part is of that blaring deal. their horn outside <laughs> louder than of, I, longer than I've ever heard in my life. It's part of that deal. Well, we're down, yeah, where we are, that, that makes sense. Uh, but he was shooting really well uh, before he yes. was traded to Memphis. He shot... He was in the high 40s. 45% yeah. from three, about. And then once he joined the Grizzlies, he shot 54% from three, again, on good volume. So, like, look, I think Luke Kennard's got real issues as a potential playoff guy. I, I was going to say, could, do you think he can actually play defensively in the playoffs? That's the thing. Like, But because he's an expiring, well, I'd assume you treat him as an expiring on the yeah, team option. Yeah, he's got option. a team option. I'm yep. not, I don't really want to pay him $15 million over the long term. But – you treat him as an, a guy that he's your movement shooter. He's to add something to the rotation they don't have currently. And if he stinks and you can't play him in the playoffs, oh, well, he joins a, another group of guys. The other one and the bigger name, the pe- the guy that more Sixers fans are familiar with is Marcus Smart. And he is the more impactful guy by a comfortable margin. If Memphis puts him on the table, I think – the price is probably going to be a little too high, but I think he checks a ton of boxes that we talk about. Obviously a great defensive fit next to Maxi. Not only is he, you know, he's shorter and stockier. Like I believe he's only six, three height wise, but he's got like a, like a, the D'Anthony six, nine wingspan, but he's really strong too. Like he's historically been a great post defender can do a lot of different things defensively, and he gives you a creation element on the perimeter. The concern with Marcus would be the guy still can't really shoot, and he's willing to shoot. The shot willingness is important, and he will put up a two-for-nine in a playoff game and hit the second one in the fourth quarter after being one-for-eight, and you'll absolutely pull your hair out. I get all that. So that would be the concern, but Memphis having just given up two firsts for him, including a Warriors pick that looks pretty valuable this yeah. coming draft, I'm not so sure they're going to punt on that already. I think that might still be a, a long-term play for them. Yeah, I mean, look, if you can get him at a cheap price, I, I'd like – and it, a lot of it, again, comes down to what other – like do you have – have you gotten your primary target first and then can you pivot to him as a secondary option on top of that? Um so it, it's dependent a little bit, but if you have like if you've accomplished your goals at trade deadline, you can add Marcus. Find a way to add Marcus Smart. I I would actually embrace him on a six. I know a lot of people would hate to see him in a Sixers uniform. I a think he's a helpful. I think he's a helpful player. He's no more Celtics. An incredible <laughs> defender. He's like you said, a willing shooter, which is almost the exact same line that Nick Nurse, Nurse gave to Jaden Springer today at practice. You would like capable as well as willing but at least he ha- i mean look marcus smart will have moments where he will make shots it seems like every playoff series against the sixers he somehow does by the end of the year he'll probably be shooting 33 percent from three on pretty decent volume um but i do think he at least shoots enough where he has a little more gravity than he probably should 
that being said, his defense is good enough. Um, yeah, I'd find a role on him, but I think it, to your point, if Memphis was going to move on from now, I think the price would probably be higher than I'd be willing to pay. He makes winning plays. If we're talking about a player like that, he's been to the finals. He's been to Eastern Conference finals multiple times. There's the Jekyll and Hyde part of that because, as the guys mentioned, then he'll believe that after making two threes that he should take five more. And there's some heat checks in there and go away from what the offense is running. But the guy's a winner. He's tough. He, he provides all of that, the secondary ball handling. He does some of that with Tyrese Maxey. He can set Maxey up also. So there are some things there. And he hasn't played a lot with Memphis already this season where he's like really burning up his, his body and burning up the minutes where if he did, in fact, join the 76ers, the guy knows how to play and, and, and play and use his body the right way and knows how, like, I'll just stress it, he, he knows how to win. And he knows he will sacrifice He's about his body. the right things. He to is. Your point. When we watch game, we would sit here the other night and watching, and you would see the the Knicks or or the Jazz diving on the floor, where some of the Sixers were just leaning over to to pick up the basketball. No, Marcus Smart is going to dive on the floor. He will dive through you. Yes, and then he will get <laughs> on you for leg. not diving on the floor. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and 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 that's valuable. That that means something. There's real value to that, especially when you're talking about winning a championship. Every little thing counts and that type of player I, I think holds some some true value uh, in in that conversation yeah like we've talked a lot about guys like kuzma have come out or have come up in the rumor mill because obviously you know washington's dog shit so they'll trade anybody with real value if the the trade makes sense where we say yeah the guy's talented and there are ways that they fit on offense but like we have to really imagine if Dragons? that person will buy in, like, yes, will they defend? But also, like, do they want to be part of something rather than, like, I'm the guy or I'm number two and I'm more important than this person? Like, I don't think Marcus Smart has ever played in a way that suggests he gives a shit about all that. And the thing that drives him is I want to win. I want to help set a culture where I'm at. And something I give them great credit for in Boston is like before Tatum and Brown show up and they, they got there, like there was a mm -hmm. period there where they were you know, a middling to below average team. And he still played with the same fire, the same energy and all that. And look, there is a point where I think he, in Boston it ended up like it was better to move on from him because his voice had kind of worn out on those guys had been through so many wars and needed to do something different. That's all well and good, but I think this team could use a guy who's good enough, like somebody brought up that he's almost like a a better Pat Bev. Like I think that's probably a good way of thinking about it where he's a Pat Bev that is good enough to play heavy minutes, a Pat Bev that's good enough to close games, to start games, to be an integral piece of your team rather than like a 15-minute off-the-bench guy. And that's a person who I think brings a lot of value to a team. So I like smart a lot. I would, I have serious concerns about him as a, in a Joel Embiid centric world where he's sure. not that good of a shooter. Absolutely. But I think the, the intangible stuff, the defensive stuff all really resonates with me. And I think, you know, if you're looking for a guy who would embody what Nick nurse wants uh, in terms of defensive edge and intensity, that guy's it. And versatility too. Like that's yes. one thing about him. He's an exceptionally versatile defender. And you've got Gavin in the chat bringing up, uh, do you remember Matisse Thibel? He is so much of a better offensive player than Matisse Thibel. It's not even close. Yeah. I understand because of the shooting, it is it sticks out like a He can top. dribble. He can dribble. He can <laughs> pass. He can finish at the rim. He can get to the line. Like, he's not a great offensive player, don't get me wrong, but he's competent in very many things where uh, it wasn't just – I mean, it was a big thing that Matisse Thibel couldn't shoot when he was here, but it was also that he couldn't dribble, he couldn't drive, couldn't really do much of anything with the ball in his hands. Marcus Smart is more versatile, and he's more versatile on defense, too. Like, Thibel was great because of, of the playmaking that he had, but Marcus Smart can defend a wider array of offensive players. He's a, a really incredible defensive player, uh, and if you can find a way to make it— I do agree with Kyle. On an Embiid-centric uh, team, it would be tough. He would, I think, take Pat Bev's role. Like, I've got people in the chat mentioning that— uh, be Beverly and smart minutes would take years off of their lives. Well, I don't think you see very many of them. I think no. they would completely uh, take over 
Beverly's role, um, but I think he'd be a massive upgrade. But I do think they need more offensive help than just him. He can't be the only addition you make. And take years off the lives of the opponents, too, as he's yeah. go, as those two guys <laughs> are just going after them oh. out there together. That will be that will be something to watch. Real fast, before we get to the, the Super Chat, um, where would he, how, how high up does he move uh, in terms of the names that we've oh, talked priority about? Priority list? Yeah, priority list. In terms of the names we talked about, we don't know, of course, but we've also eliminated guys that we, Kyle Kuzma, you talked about, Zach Levine, we mentioned, even Murray, in a sense, where you guys can both see some value there, but he's still a little bit lower. Does he jump over someone like Murray because of the cost and the years mm-hmm. years on contract and, and things of that nature? That's an interesting question. So to me, I think if you bring in smart, it almost requires another, like I think you have to get a real shooter too. And like it needs a, to be like a wingy type player too. I feel yes. Like. That, uh, the second shooter you yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so it complicates things a little bit in that you could probably talk me into if they, for whatever reason, end up trading for DeJounte. I think that could be like, that's it. That's the move. Sure. And yep. that's you, you, that's, Whatever assets you're giving up, that's part of the reason I'm lukewarm at best, borderline out on Dejounte, is because it would take all of your assets and it would be the yes. move, not so just a move. I think now again, we don't know one if if Smart's gonna be made available too, what the price will be. If they gave up two firsts in July, whenever it was, I don't think they're gonna be like yeah, it's one first, then you can get the deal done. Because if that was the case, I think I would probably do that. A yeah. first for a guy. That's on a, he's on like what a 20 ish million dollar yeah, contract for, for the, the next, next two three years. years. Yeah. So yep. this year and the next two after yep. this one, that's an eminently tradable contract. If they were to make them available for that, that's great. And then, you know, let's say that you use the other first and some other stuff you got, then you go out and get somebody with some real movement, shooting, juice, something of that nature. Then that to me is probably more appealing than DeJounte by himself. But, uh, I would be open for debate on that one. I think it's at least interesting. I think it's a lot at this point, but I'm just throwing it out there because of what you mentioned, the type of player, Bogdanovich and smart. That would be... So I wish Bogdanovich was bigger. bigger? If that was yeah. the... To, yeah, to yeah. Derek's point, I would kind of hope that you could get more of a, a wing shooter, but wing shooters who are passable defensively in the playoffs are basically impossible to trade yeah. for. So... I think that would be a great outcome, personally, how you settle your rotation in at that point and what you have to give up for those guys is unclear, but I think I'd be pretty happy with a, a deadline like that. Do we want to get on to two-minute warnings question? Our guy Al. For a super chat on a live stream, by the way, it says we got a nice little message there to remind us of that. So thank you to our guy Al. It says, I have a question. Do you guys all agree that it won't be a big move at the trade deadline because they don't want to take on money, or is everything on the table? I think, Derek, you've hit on yeah, this a I lot. I, I've, I do not agree that they don't want to take on money. Uh, I think they would very much prefer to get their guy this year at the deadline so they can go into next summer with that kind of certainty, bring back their own players, yada, 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 all kinds of stuff. I don't think it's a guarantee that they don't make a major trade. I think it, a lot of it depends on circumstance. Who becomes available? Does that player fit? Is that player worth giving up your other opportunities, whether that's who you could trade for um, at the draft, uh, whether it's who you could sign next summer, is that player good enough? Um, So I think there's a chance it could end up being smaller moves, uh, but I don't think a big move is off the table, and I certainly don't think it's off the table because of wanting to save their cap space. If it is off the table, I think it's just because they think the moves that are in front of them are not worth it. It, But it's not like a complete, I'm going to avoid making this because I want to have cap space. No, I think the reason, at least that I've hammered the, oh, this guy's making X amount of dollars next year, year after that, whatever, is the message is that they don't want bad money. It's not that they don't want to take on money. It's we don't believe in Zach Levine, for example, enough to pay him 40, whatever, almost $50 million three years from now, right? Like that, that's the problem. It's not that, hey, we need to have cap space this summer to sign someone outright in free agency. It's that once you trade for Levine, I don't want to hammer Levine too hard, but once you trade for Levine, you are basically locked in to him. There is no real, it's been reported by many other people at this point, there is no real market for him. Essentially, he's hoping, I think, as far as I can tell, 
that the Lakers are going to trade for him. Like that's the one place that I think there's a decent possibility Levine gets moved. But otherwise, with there being no market, if you trade for Zach Levine and give up, let's say you give up a first along with the contracts and whatever, you are not getting anything for him in the next couple of years if it goes wrong. Like, and that's yep. the only time that you would need to trade him. So either Zach Levine is good enough to get you a title or you are trading him for even less and you're depleting the asset chest. You trade for Marcus Smart, for example. Maybe it's not a clean fit, but there are a ton of teams around the league who would say, Marcus Smart at $20 million for the next two years. My team's trying to win right now, needs a defensive upgrade, needs a guy who's going to buy in as a role player. They will flip you, I would say, probably close to identical, whatever you're going to trade for him. So that's the problem with the – that's why we focus a lot on the contracts behind this. It's not as much about they need the cap space in July – it's how does – if things go wrong and this trade doesn't work to win a title or, God forbid, Joel Embiid, they don't win a title or they lose in the second round again and Joel wakes up one day and says, I want to get out of here. You need to be fluid and flexible to be the best possible team in the, the years to come. And I don't think trading for a guy making $45 million who's a one-way player is going to accomplish that. Having cap space isn't Daryl Morey's goal. Getting a third player they believe in that they think can be around long-term is Daryl Morey's goal. Cap space is just one of those ways to accomplish that goal. But if they can accomplish that goal in February and not have to worry about hoping that somebody signs with them in July, they will, I think, make that trade in February. All right. A um, couple of names that are being brought up in the chat to kind of fit with the, uh, the, the archetype of the team there as we put some of these names out there. Dorian Finney-Smith is one that you guys have talked about before from the Brooklyn Nets. Tied to them in some rumors, what, like a month or two ago, yeah, I think? Yeah, Does Does he, with someone else coming in here, does that still maybe do anything for you when it comes to this type of conversation where Dorian Finney-Smith, versatile defender, decent size on the wing, started on those Dallas teams for with Luca as as a good piece on the wing there. Outside shooting is not really what he brings to he can knock down shots. But yeah. well, watching well this season. He but is. you don't want to buy high on the, uh, expecting the career him. average yeah, shooter. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Expecting him to be that guy. But as far as it goes, I mean you you talk about him with Covington and then Batum, maybe one of those or both of those have to go in that type of type of deal somewhere shape or form I don't know but does he does he fit in with what you guys are talking about I mean like so to Derek's point about you would love a wing shooter if you were to get smart if Finney Smith was even consistently average let alone above average or the he's shooting 41 percent from three this year which if you get him and he's a 40 percent shooter now from three you're over the moon because, yeah. like, historically, he's been a good playoff guy, versatile defender who you can use in a lot of different ways in some funky lineups. That would be an awesome guy he shot to get. 33% last year. Yes. Yeah. So that's the problem. It's like he's, for his career, he's 36.2, which is pretty good. But the question is, do you believe in that enough where in a playoff series, a team says, okay, Dorian Finney Smith? We're going to sell out on Tyrese Maxey. We're going to sell out on Joel Embiid. And it's you and Marcus Smart on the perimeter. <laughs> Bomb away, buddy. Like, do you feel good enough about that? I don't think I do. So I think if you're going after a Finney Smith, who I don't think is a bad target for them to look at, I think the other guy that would most likely come with him, because I think that's like a multiple trades type of deadline, is going to have to be a better shooter than, yeah. than he is. I actually brought up Finney Smith. I forget it was yesterday or sometime. We do so many shows. They all bl uh, all you have together. to do is, was I here? I don't remember. Oh, see, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> but I brought him up not too long ago. It was in a trade deadline where you get Atlanta Bogdanovich yes. and Finney Smith. Something like that, I think. But that would that would be punting on getting like that third star that we literally just talked about. But that would be Daryl going like, all right, look, there's no third star available at the deadline. I think fits. I don't project there to be one to become available in, like I said, in June or July. And after that, you lose your flexibility. These are the best high level. I don't even want to say role players, but like 
good supporting pieces that we can get that we can fit long term. But it would be an addition to something else meaningful. Um, and I will say, like I, I mentioned, he shot thirty three percent from three last year. Uh, over the last five years or four years, he's shooting 38% on five attempts per game. So he's been like last year was an um, unusually down year. This year's an unusually up year. Overall, he's been an okay shooter from three. Uh, certainly, I think good enough to be a rotation player, but he really doesn't do a whole lot outside of that. He could be a piece. He just can't be like a primary piece. Yes. Watching the game the other day, I can't remember what game it was, but um, they were the opponent just allowed him to shoot. They were designing their defense to funnel it. Mikhail's way funnel it when Cam, uh, Cam Thomas was in the game because of his ability to get to the rim and, and score the way that he does. They were just simply allowing him to shoot. And it did not go well that particular day yeah. where, you know, and those are, if, if he was a target, those are going to be some of those types of days. And he was open. Now, there are differences, too, when you are playing with someone like Embiid, who is not on the Brooklyn Nets, or, or Tyrese Maxey, to help you get some, some shots in the spots that you really like and knock them down. That particular game was more of a, a game because I watched so many of those Nets games that he was off. He was just off that day. Yeah. They gave him the opportunity to shoot. He missed them. He has been better, to Kyle's point, with the 41%. It's real, just by, from watching it and seeing how he gets his shots. It is pretty re uh, real, so... Uh, it, it would be, it would be, I think it would be a nice fit for what this team is, what he provides. And also seeing him play for a, a team that was somewhat of a winner and contender with Luca, he knows how to play off, off stars, off of superstars. And he knows, he knows what to do off of those players. He's an unselfish player. He, he defensively, he will match up against centers too. So if you feel like you need somebody to man up against a, a, a four man, he will do that, yes. and, and he's a versatile defender where he can also pick up your, your, your one, your two, any wing that you have. So there's a, I think there are more positives to him than there are negatives for a lot of people who are just simply saying no and all of that. But he, he's a pretty good player, and I think he would provide some stuff. I want to touch on somebody else who I've seen brought up here. Well, a couple guys, but I know you guys discussed Malcolm Brogdon mm -hmm. one night, and mm -hmm. he's been someone that we probably have not – gotten too in-depth on, and you made a comment that I wanted to pop on. You said something about lawyer. the locker room yep. lawyer. Somebody, I had a conversation with someone, I think it was last season. Uh, I think it was actually while we were out in Colorado. Colorado or at least well, we this, has happened, this has happened okay. multiple times. So I, I believe that might have been a different conversation okay. than the one I had. That some, the person said to me, like, that nickname, the president... It's not a good thing. It's people use it pejoratively. It was it was good coming out of Virginia. It was good coming out of Virginia because he's a smart guy yes. and they love him all that. It has become a nickname used to mock him because he's always politicking and he's always talking to different people on different parts of not just the locker room but the front office, the coaching staff. Why don't I have this? Why don't I do that? And so that stuff is out there on him. And you add on to that that defensively he's okay at times. I think he's actually gotten a lot worse there over the yeah. last few seasons or so. Injuries have taken a toll. Injuries have taken a toll. And that's really the bigger thing is he's never healthy. I don't trust him to be healthy. And Marcus Smart has had some, just to compare the two, Marcus Smart has had issues with injuries at times, but I think those are like playing hard injuries for the most part, whereas Brogdon's body just like gives out all the time. He's not a particularly like loose balls, diving around, throwing his body around player, and he's still getting hurt. So that concerns me a little bit more. I'm not in love with him. Uh, Jeremy Grant's name also came up. I'm, I think Derek is actually you know, typing in the chat about You guys Jeremy get long-winded every now and then I chat <laughs> with my guys. What do you want? Um, <laughs> don't love the the contract there. Like, I think Jeremy is a good player. Before and he signed that him, contract. Yeah. He's made himself a much better shooter than I think he had. we had any idea he could become when he got drafted. But that's still a lot of money to pay for a guy who – here's the other thing. Jeremy wants to be a featured guy. Like that's been the story of his career. And he's a shitty passer. Yes. I don't like giving ISO creation opportunities on a lot of them. Like this guy shoots 16 times per night to people who can't pass. And I agree with you in terms of his shooting. He's made a ton of progress defender. He's still a versatile defender. 
He's going to want the ball in his hands a lot, whether it's an ISO, whether it's a pick and roll. And it's only thing that comes with that is his own individual scoring. I think those are largely wasted possessions. Don't want. The one thing you say about Grant is he left the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic to go to Detroit, where it was at least reported that they were the money wasn't too far off. And it was the same. He wasn't going to be the feature guy like he was in Detroit. Yeah. But he sat there and took all those losses because he wanted the money and the opportunity to run his own team, which he knew wouldn't win. And that says a, he's well, still a good guy and all that stuff. But it's just more of recognizing what your situation is, getting your chance to win a championship and go from there. Here, you, here's you, what I'll say about I, that, though. I, I think those guys, they don't believe they're not going to win. They might, they're completely unrealistic, sure. but I think he probably went to Detroit and look, look, we're not going to win like, like the nuggets, obviously, but I think I can go there, lead them to the playoffs. Like I'm sure he had that running through his head because these guys are not realistic self-evaluators. Yeah. Because if you leave and go to another team that, okay, we're going to trade for Jeremy Grant. He still wants to be the guy to, to lead. He has an over inflated opinion of, of who he is, which is very good. He's a good player. He's, he's very a good player, yeah. not he's worth not, the money he's no. making and not, a, to Derek's point, about the self-creation and the lack of playmaking. He's not the type of player. Like it, You're essentially doubling down on Tobias. If he was making 20 or $15 million per year and would play the role, like a fourth option role, yeah, bring him on. I'd yes. love to have Jeremy Grant, but neither of those things are true. It's just, it's a contract that you're, it's the Tobias Harris experience all over again. He's good. He has things that he's good at. He's versatile, but he's got real limitations that when that guy is your third most important player, I just, I don't think you're headed in the right direction. Can't leave Denver like that. <laughs> listen, man. Can't leave the, look, I, he got can't. super paid. But it the was report, great for him. But it seemed like the money fa- was the same. Yeah, or at least it was At similar. least it was said yeah. that it was that way. So got super paid and, you know, good for him. These guys have short shelf lives on their career, so I don't begrudge guys. No, for I don't. Get your chasing, money. Chasing the money. But, uh, yeah, I, the book on him seems to be – he cares a lot about what his role is almost as much as if not more than what type of situation he's in. Zach Levine. <laughs> Zach Levine. All right, folks. That you didn't are- even get a chance to talk about Cutter. You, you, oh. you want to talk about I was, was going to say, I, I empathize with him because every now and then you agree to something and then you think, oh, I don't want to actually work with Kyle. So look, <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, here's what I will say. My one, this is Hockey Kyle puts on the uh, I like the hat. Have you ever written about hockey? I know no. Rich had done it a couple times in the past. No, but. I used to go to games every so often as a kid and, you know, just the normal Philadelphian experience. But, yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. I would say this. The difference between what he did or what he has done and what Eric Lindros did back in the day is that Eric Lindros said straight up he would not play in Quebec and was like, fuck that, I'm out, and sent that signal. And then Quebec did it anyway and traded him. What appears to have happened here, and he has said publicly, he said he was on board with playing and coming to Philadelphia. He talked about his mother being from Philly and all that stuff. Sent all these messages like, yeah, I'm cool with going there. And then he just like ghosted them. And it's like... Look, man, that just, it's a lack of professionalism. So I think there was a little bit of, from the Flyers, like, love Keith Jones, know him personally. Between him, Danny Briere, and some of the other guys in their brain trust last night, there's a little too much, like, oh, if he doesn't want to be a Flyer, then he's not going to be a Flyer. Like, you guys have sucked for a while. <laughs> like, let's be realistic about who you can and can't keep around. But yeah. I think the manner in which he went about it is, like, yeah, that's not a guy who I think can be a leader of a, a successful team. So just get what you can get for him and move on. That's my, those are my hockey thoughts. In the crease with Kyle, Money Mars says, that was, a new segment. That was one of my things following the Flyers on the radio side. That was the name of it. So there you go. We can put it on Kyle now in the crease here uh, with Kyle. Yeah, that, that was a weird one. It came out of nowhere, too, because they were... Well, it came out of nowhere publicly. publicly At least the, I mean, Charlie and some other people who were plugged in suggested that this has been boiling for a while. Yeah. So. Well, publicly, yes, that's what I meant. Yeah. It, it came out of for nowhere. Us, for us big-time hockey guys. Hey, you man. Know, we just were caught by surprise. You know, we're on the ice. We're, <laughs> we're on the ice, man. We're on the ice. 
Well, we appreciate everybody checking in, of course, hanging out with us here on the PHL. Even Weebay, who's hating on our trade takes right Come now. Come on, Weebay. Um, Great we, character on the wire, by the way. I saw a cool thing earlier where they were talking about what's better, the wire or um, uh, one of the other HBO shows. Sopranos? It, it, wasn't, it was something else. And they were like, come on, when have you seen Nickelodeon pull in a wire quote on a Nickelodeon <laughs> show? And it was from, um, I don't even remember the, the show. I watched it with the kids, but I can't even remember. But uh, The they, thing about the old days, Devon, is they're the old days. Yeah. <laughs> but they brought up the how's my hair look from, you know, uh, yeah. they're, they're no great. No spoilers. Don't, yeah. don't want to ruin 15 it. 15 years later, no spoilers. Yeah. No spoilers, but yeah. It's the streaming era. I know. Very true. I watched it. I rewatched it recently. Did you? I've been great. thinking about it. I love The Wire. So. It was great. And uh, Snoop was one of my favorite characters. So there's that. Yeah. Slim Charles is my guy. So yeah, that's, he's that's who yeah. I yeah, yeah, it, He yeah. had the highest hit rate on like great lines per capita, I'd say. Uh, that's Slim Charles. The it one seems like the kind of guy Kyle would gravitate towards. <laughs> <laughs> the one that's the one uh, show, I mean, pardon me, opening that's always brought up is Snoop in the. Um, I won't say the, the name hardware, of the hardware, the hardware store, store. Yeah. and legendary open to a show. Legendary open scene to a show. Yes. Doesn't get better. You earned that bump. <laughs> All right, everybody. You ready to get up out of here? Let's I get up out of say here. goodbye to our people. Thank you, everyone, as always, for coming through. Money Mar, SB, Martian Lynch, not Marshawn. Martian, yes. And it Rick. was power. Yes, as I mean, if Marshawn is in there listening too, then we'll shout him <laughs> out. Come I would on also the show. shout yeah. 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 Marshawn, you're welcome anytime. Rick, Neil, Weebay, even though you're hating, you did inspire a bit of conversation. Money Mar, we're going in the crease, I promise you. Dave Doyer, <laughs> Liam, our boy Gavin, I think Will was in here earlier, probably. Santiago Loyola, what a fantastic name. Jay of the Jungle, our guy Al, the two minute warning. Cyber, Corey Jones. Jake, I'm just Bootzilla, Rich P, ton of you guys today. Even my co-host Derek in the chat, Eric Delash, hypothetical man. Love all you guys, each and every episode for being with us. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and hit the bell icon to get notifications each and every time we go live. And if you hit the thumbs up button, we will consider doing a regular hockey segment that nobody will want to listen to. I'm just kidding. But please hit hit that thumbs up button and helps the channel and all of us out uh, a great deal. There are a couple super chats, I think. Bernard. Bernard, Bernard, our guy Bernard is always here. Ryan. Ryan. Make sure you go to PHLY Locker. PHLY.com. Locker. PHLYLocker.com. Is it Dave Doer and not Dave Doer? Sorry, I'm... I'm the guy who says bagels, Dave. You got to remember. Come on. I'm not a perfect person. .com. Check out the new hoodies, the new hats, the new merchandise. Go ahead and support and uh, show us when you get get it in the mail and show us when you wear it. We appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow after the game. Sixers, Hawks. We'll see if Joel B plays or not. We'll talk to you guys later. For Derek, Kyle, and Bree, I'm Devon. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We all city like the mayor. 